Hello, welcome to Josie Long's Utter Shambles with Josie Long and Tim Key. Hi Josie, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I'm all right. You seem all right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> What's happened is Robin is downstairs doing a furious interview about creationism uh, outside. He's, he's furious about creationism, isn't he? <laughs> he, is. he hates it. He's not happy about them. <laughs> and basically, he knows that both me and Tim have to leave on the dot in 55 minutes. Thanks for that action pouring shot there. Tim's enjoying a diet cola. Well, I think they could have told that. It's quite clear. <laughs> True. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I'm I'm gonna do what I'm drinking. It sounds like a tea. It is a tea, but you had the advantage of being able to see that it was a tea. Oh yeah, it looks just like a tea. <laughs> it does look like a tea. Oh, speaking of which, I saw Gary Oldman the other day, um, <laughs> and he looks exactly like Gary Oldman, and that was my first thought when I saw him. I was like, oh, he he does look exactly like Gary Oldman. He doesn't disappoint. No. <laughs> Uh, but Robin's not here, so... Why did you see Gary Oldman? Um, because he was in the studios at uh, Six Music when we were recording something and he was right there. Did you talk to him? No, I wish I had, but I was still too terrified of the memory of him in Leon. Oh. And when he's all crazy. I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> um, you wrote a poem on the way here. Well, actually, I stopped off at a place called the Swedish... Scandinavian Kitchen. Do you know if you mention them on Twitter, they offer you a free coffee? Do they? Yeah, I didn't mean to. And this is very funny, actually, because in the last podcast, I was talking very, very scathingly about a company that wanted me to do stealth PR for them and about how awful it was and how I'd never do it. Nice. Who but was the that? Scandin- oh, the coffee. Oh, because I would do that. Oh, OK. Yeah. We'll just put the message out. <laughs> oh, guys, um, I would do stealth. Yeah, basically, all you'd have to what do, do you is... Have, what do you get? Well, for example, you in get this more, interview... Um, you get your loyalty card stamped twice rather than once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you started without me, Josie? Yep. And Tim. Oh, man. We're just talking about. No. Oh, look. Oh. Oh no. This is furious. And I'm really distant from you now. It was a really good atmosphere until you showed up. We're having a great time. How are you, Tim? I'm good. You look like you've had a furious argument about creationism. Well, no. (laughs) What I've been having is I was was just doing an interview over the phone. Do you ever find this thing that when you do interviews over the phone, you think when that's cut down, even though I'm going, you know, I think the thing is, you know, some people have got religion, that's fine. You know, it keeps you happy, and they'll somehow turn into uh, Robin slams religion as being that of a thing for only idiots. And you go, I didn't say that. I said, yeah, but we took some of the words from the first bit and from the last bit, and we took out the middle bit. Of niceness. That boring middle that was just fluff. Yeah, just 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 fluff and kindness. <laughs> There's no room for kindness in the media. There's no room for kindness. Agree with that. So what have you been talking about? Um, we talked a little bit before the podcast actually started about Josie's personal life, but that yeah, won't go in. I don't think that's going to go in. Cause it's no, like... no. And then a little bit about um, she saw Gary Oldman yeah, at uh, Six Music. Yep. Wow. And, uh, and he looks a lot like himself. He really looks like Gary Oldman, and it was such a shock. Is he the correct height of Gary Oldman as well? <laughs> yeah. That's nice, because I think all of those things, yeah, sometimes you look at... Cause the correct height. He does, his height is fine the as well. The whole the thing's height. legit. The whole package <laughs> checked out. Yeah, it was, it was really weird. He was just in Cuban heels, right? And he, he wears a little kind of front piece toupee yeah. and just had a like, frilly shirt open to the waist. He went, yeah, I'm Gary Oldman. <laughs> and then pulled out these maracas. He wasn't Gary Oldman at all. <laughs> Are you sure it was Gary Oldman? No, it wasn't. That's how un-Gary Oldman Gary Oldman was. So this was just normal Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, I sometimes fear, because Julianne Moore's got a face that's so beautiful on camera that you think that maybe if you saw her in real life, you'd go, oh. Like mashed potato and ice cream. Exactly, yeah. Oh, what is that? Well, if you are doing an ice cream advert, oh, you use mashed potato, mm. or maybe they don't now in in this glorious oh, future. Oh, it's like but singing in the, in the rain, days. isn't it? 
Oh, he's talking about Milky Rain. Yeah, is it yeah. milk? I'd Milky like, Rain, yeah. chocolate sauce, blood in Psycho. <laughs> yeah, they're all yeah delicious films. <laughs> yeah, they are, aren't they? But the thing is, you think, oh, brilliant! I'm having a lovely shower. Oh, it's really chocolatey. Now I'm gonna have some lovely ice cream. Oh, it's really mashy. So in some ways, it's yeah. like really for, for a, a confectioner, yeah. it can be a treat, but it can also be agony. You never know what you're gonna get in those olden days films. No, it was part of their charm, I think. Do they still do it? I don't know. We don't know, but if anyone out CGI there does know... CGI uh, I think they use loads and loads of... CGI on an yeah, advert. CGI. For, a lot of the Avatar stuff was done by Chocolate Buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Just flinging them in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, we cannot return your film. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, they, if you'd like to send in your film, and we'll just look at it in the gallery. Here's one from James Cameron, Avatar. <laughs> they were talking about Avatar on the radio today because they're, they're trying to make films which have smoking in 18s. Did you know that? Mm. And uh, they might do it retrospectively as well, so things like Casablanca and Avatar would have to be 18s. All things from the olden days. Well, in fact, every yeah. film... Most made before from the about 1963, I would imagine. Yeah. It is an amazing thing, isn't it, when you watch those old chat shows, like there's Parkinson's and stuff like that, and you'll just see Peter Cook there just languidly. You know, everyone's having a fag. Yeah. I was watching myself on, uh, like, an old... A friend of mine videoed a, a preview of my show. Oh, well, that was the old silent days, when you used to do all your previews <laughs> yeah. in, in the, the silence. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, uh, no, this was, like, about... Si- seven years ago and I was watching it back because my friend had just put it on DVD because he made it on VHS so it was quite nice And uh, but the main thing is uh, ir- irrespective of what I was doing on stage so that was like very different from what I do now but the main thing was I had my friends on the front row just smoking like absolute troopers at yeah. the Canal Cafe and the whole place is just full of smoke Yeah. so I mainly just felt sorry for myself just there just coping with this sort of I think about that when I first started doing stand up and I would go home having done a gig and my hair would mm. stink of cigarettes and I've never smoked in my life and my clothes and oh, those were the days I can't imagine how I would manage to smoke whilst doing my stand up I couldn't do it because I, I literally tried to do it because I thought it might be a nice thing to do. Oh. But I, thought I was all over the place. Because then I'm, it's I'm one more prop smoking. to negotiate. Yeah, yeah, well, literally, yeah, because I have, like, books and a can and then a cigarette. Yeah, it was too much. Now, you drink quite a lot on the, in the course of a show. Uh, I don't... No, I don't. How much do you drink? I'm so glad you added in the course of the yeah, show. Yeah. Because suddenly it you really drink, seemed, yeah. you, know, you drink quite a lot. And then you just get a little pause yeah. there. You drink quite a lot. Yeah. Tim was like, I could see him actually going, Hello, hang I'm on a minute. Hang on a minute. I almost put my Worthingtons down. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, other I, beers in well. my last show, I drank, I would say I drank um, in Edinburgh, um, my last show before this Edinburgh, I think I probably drank between one and two cans during the show. Okay, that's, that, not that's quite a lot, though. But that's, I think that's quite a lot. If you drink two, I think that's quite, quite See, a lot. See, because I can't drink before a gig. So I drink one before. That's kind of my thing, my routine. Do. I drink a pint before I go on. And I don't know why. I think if I did it without and I had a good gig and then did it without again and I had a good gig, then that would break the spell. But I just can't bear the idea of it because it's just you don't want to you don't want to risk anything going wrong yeah. when you do a gig. Factors. If you feel like you're controlling any factors, you yeah. don't want to then swap them around. Exactly. Always well, control the factors. Of, <laughs> as is, many is, as uh, though you might break out of it, what you do is quite rehearsed, isn't it? And so so yeah. it, it's, to, to, it, it's got a pattern, it's got structure. Yeah. Which is... Because uh, I was thinking, which, if we do something which is more... Because I, I used to always drink like two pints of strongish lager yeah. before I went on. Bloody and hell. And then, then I realised, because I was so... I was just thinking about this today. The four weeks... I, I woke up this morning feeling a bit kind of groggy. And I thought, how did I do Edinburgh doing four shows a day? The constant adrenaline where I felt absolutely fine. And now... And it doesn't matter. It's what a boring thing. Cut that bit out. No. I don't know where that was going to go. It's but not boring. I was just... 
It's still, not boring. It is boring, but it's... it's not um, boring. We're just both very interested in what's going on the, through the, that. The, no, the, I just freaked adrenaline. out about time for a second. No, the, the, the adrenaline... It's not seven o'clock. Was so, so I would have to, I was so worried about... You know that when you first start gigging and you've got your first date in your diary and that's a whole month build-up. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh yeah. God. And then it cuts down to two weeks build-up and then it becomes a week and then you realise you haven't got time for a week because you're doing it every night. Yeah. So that, that you've then got a kind of got a build-up of loads of weeks where you have to feel nervous even during holiday time because you didn't have time to feel nervous before the gigs. So nice. you're feeling nervous about the other gigs. And so the same thing where I was, I would have two pints because I had so much adrenaline. I like and the way that you gesture with two hands there. Yeah, I, I had two <laughs> pints. Hold two pints. <laughs> I had two pints and I was, I, I worked a lot in Covent Garden on the piazza there. So right. it was an act. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'd, I'd have the two pints back and forth there. Yeah. And, and then one night I thought, oh, that's a bit rubbish delivery. So I cut down to one pint. Yeah. And I still had enough adrenaline. And now, generally, I won't, like, same as you, Josie, I won't drink at all. And I think that's when you first start. But you started so young, you legally weren't never, allowed to drink. That's true, but also, also I, it didn't stop me that. Um, I never really drank before gigs because I think, to me, I, I, have a weird, I have a thing with drinking where I can drink if I'm going to a party or if I'm definitely going to do something sociable. But I think it's sort of a hangover from university and school, I suppose, that if I, I, I like reading and I like doing sort of writing and things like that and so I want to do some of that at the end of the day and if I want to do that I just feel like I cannot have a drink mm. beforehand so it's just most nights I just don't want to drink and with, with stand-up I've always sort of my anxiety about it is manifested in like you can't mess this up so you can't be hungover and you can't be drunk and you can't be too this you can't be too that and like trying really hard to approach it with sort of a clean slate so that at the very least I can beat myself up only about my deficiencies as a performer and a writer. What you're really uh, doing is cutting out possible alibis. Exactly. Which is a great is pity. Stupid, yeah, very oh, stupid. You must have been really drunk but last night, Josie. That, that, that gig was, was all over the shop. Nope, Stone Cold no, Sober, I, I really thought about it. like usual beforehand. <laughs> but I do, um, I have had gigs that I've compared and I drink with them. And it is really fun, but I do get so far too relaxed. Like, because I love being on stage so much anyway. And I just get really relaxed to the extent that, you know... Comparing I'd write, I don't mind I remember you comparing a gig. Do you remember that one? At, uh, <laughs> I've compared about, a gig about maybe about three times in my life, so you've done well to it catch one. It was that one. one that we talked about a while back, that one I in that kind of converted in church. The, oh, in the, yeah, in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, just, just up on, I remember up that one. The Masonic Lodge. But I really enjoyed it because you're kind of, you know, the, 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 the cold, sometimes near, apparently sociopathic nature <laughs> of what you're, you're doing mixed with the fact that you're also, obviously, comparing for a fun night, late night, uh, but... Well, you can't suddenly go in and out of being. Mm. So you have this lovely sociopathic air, which no one seemed to pick up on, and just thought that you were, you know, this nasty, horrible. Well, and it was great. I did it maybe that that yeah that Edinburgh. I kind of decided because I often do two shows, and that one I just did one show. I think I was doing cowards like in the daytime, and then decided I wouldn't do another show, but I'd try my hand at comparing. So I was trying to do it. You know, I probably did do it in that in that month, maybe um, maybe about. Uh, seven or eight times, I reckon, and um, yeah, it was it was very. Uh, I did it because I wanted to work out how to do it, and I don't think I ever. Actually, some of the nights were pretty fun, but uh, y you're right. There was a peculiar feel to it. That I mean, the best one was there was one where Tom Basden was on, and uh, my act with Tom Basden is just um, really very sociopathic and uh, kind of bullying him. That's our act when we're together with mm. uh, Freeze. But this one, I was just comparing, so I compared it. Then I brought him on, and he started doing his act. And uh, <clears throat> I was just sort of leaning against the wall, and occasionally I would say, oh, my God. 
<laughs> and Bastion was just playing along with it and, going, and stopping playing his music and going, what? Like, That's fine, you know, you carry on, mate. And then he'd carry on a bit more. And then uh, I came back on and two girls walked out. Um, I think someone had spilt their pint in a handbag as well, but these two girls were absolutely furious. And they uh, they left, and when we got down, there was a, a note which was written on you know a flyer for some other show, and uh, it just said something like, uh, I just wanted to say to the musician, um, you're so good, really talented, keep up the good work, unlike the compare who was, and then some rather nasty words. And that is now uh, framed in uh, Basden's kitchen. It's just so perfect. It's just so, it's com- completely that, just no iota of an idea that we might have been friends or that I might have liked Basden. Just uh, furious that I acted incredibly rudely to an incredibly talented comedian. (laughs) I do find it really interesting that audiences, some audiences, unless you always throw in a nod and a wink and go, hey, you're just mucking about here, me and Tom, actually. Mm. That they don't... I, I've done that before, where I've had things going, how can someone think that this is really... that mm. The one that you know about, Joseph, from years ago, when I did a show called The Award-Winning Robin Insta of the Office Series 1, Episode 5, first bit, yeah. and it ended with me punching a melon that had so I'd drawn Vernon Kay's face on, yeah. and then and once it exploded, just singing Mustang Sally to Blackout. Nice. Um, and people just thought I was a man having a nervous breakdown. It sounds like it. It was. Uh, well, it was. I mean, that was the point was, it was meant to be. That was the idea. Was that it was this that I was playing a version of myself who believed that everything I'd ever done in television had been the most important thing. Yeah. I invented the office because I once walked past a Ryman's with Ricky Gervais and went, "God, imagine working in an office." Yep. Ten years later, he wrote the office. You know, all this kind of. And people often say, "Is this arrogant man who, right at the end, just went insane?" He started punching this melon, screaming about Vernon Kay stealing his life. And how many people do you think, what, how, what percentage of people were thinking that? Much higher than I'd imagined. <laughs> I came up with, originally, when I came up with the, the show, I was with Danny Wallace, and, and we just went, uh, um, I went, oh, the funny thing is, and we thought it would be funny, that maybe every now and again, like, you know, 10% of the audience will think it's real. And then actually, within that first week, going, this is a disaster. Because there's nothing I can do to it. Because if I turn it into a nod and a wink and I'm just mucking about, it changes the whole show. So people either really got it, yeah, I just thought, what an hour. And I walk out to the bar sometimes afterwards, and you see people go, "Oh God, he's coming out now!" As if I was still, "Oh, I've got melon on my hands, and I'm ready to smear <laughs> it into someone's yeah. eyes and face." Yeah, I, my, my first poetry show in Edinburgh, I I had a relationship with my technician Fletch, which was. Oh, I love Fletch. Fletch is amazing, but Fletch is a very good actor. This is yeah. sort of part of the problem. But I'm talking to Fletch throughout and just chiding him. It's um, I, I don't really do that quite so much now, but. I used to do it a lot to Fletch and uh, throughout, I mean, it was quite clear, but maybe there was a little bit of light and and shade because uh, he was acting it very nicely and often he wouldn't even say anything, he'd just look really hurt. And so this would build up. But then by the end, it was quite clear because I then do a play and I look for a girl in the audience, there isn't a girl, so I get Fletch to wear a dress. (laughs) Fletch is wearing a dress and I'm like yelling at him and then Fletch goes back up and anyway, I, I got a review um, that show, which was a scathing review, where the first half was like, yeah, fine, and there's some interesting ideas and stuff like that. Unfortunately, on the night I saw it, it was ruined by the fact that his uh, technician started making mistakes, and uh, he didn't handle it very well, and uh, <laughs> put him in a dress and stuff like that. It's <laughs> amazing. It's like for it was in um, it was in the paper in in Metro, and I've, I've since then I've spoken to uh, other people from Metro. Like, sorry, I think she just didn't quite get it. What if the woman from Metro, that 
itself was a joke for yeah. you to share. Yeah. And then she's thinking, oh, do you know the trouble with reviewing is no one gets reviewing yeah. if, if <laughs> yeah, it's done yeah. ironically yeah. <laughs> or you're playing the part of yeah. another reviewer. No one seems to get that angle at all. That's much better, yeah. Oh, Good. I, got, I got a really ironic review that year then. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it, was, it was brilliant. Yeah, the, re- the review itself was later on reviewed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the whole thing, well, it does almost become that. Josie, you're climbing a mountain. Have you already talked about this? No, I'm climbing a mountain. Which mountain? This is what Josie's Mount got Kenya. to leave early today. Are you? I'm going tonight, yeah, yeah. To Mount Kenya? Yeah. Is that the same as Kilimanjaro? No, no, no. no. no, no. It's smaller. Yeah, I, it's in Wales. It's in, <laughs> did you say this? This is exactly what people have been saying to me. Where is it? Um, it's in Kenya. Good. It's in the Mount Kenya National Park. He's near Nairobi. And um, I'm actually really terrified because I've been a bit complacent about my fitness. Because in July, I was sort of in the best physical shape of my life. I was like running every day and really. And then August happened and I got ill and I didn't shake it all month. So I didn't do much. And then I went on a walking holiday to break my boots in yep. and get used to walking. I'm not wearing my boots now. I'm wearing some amazing trainers with gold finish on that I got very cheaply. I would love it if you just turned up to go up Mount Kenya dressed as you are now in a sleeter kinney t-shirt and some gold trimmed trainers. And yeah. just see the people going... You haven't really thought this through. Well, they're my best uh, trainers. I brought a hoodie. Yeah. Well, when I get to the top, though, I've I got want my tea. Me and my best trainers with my sleeping t-shirt on. Well, you won't get to the top. I am. Um, I know. I've had to sort out all the kits and beg, borrow, and steal stuff, and I'm really excited. You and they're like, you've got to eat. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, for nice. this charity called Trekstock, which helps young kids. Um, young kids helps kids who've survived cancer, who've like beaten cancer, and then it supports them. It's wicked. So you can, if you want, people can give me money retrospectively. Not me. If you could, what you could give me some money and give the charity some money. Um, it's um, I'm on uh, justgiving.com/slash/josie-long. See, is. I found it quite. The, the be careful when you got there because I presume you know all about the. Well, obviously, be careful. It's a mountain. No. Very treacherous mountains, especially if they become anthropomorphic. But uh, the uh, my sister for her fortieth birthday decided to go up um, Kilimanjaro, and and one of my sisters is a really I, I I haven't got any of this genetically or through nature nurture or anything else. She does these kind of things where oh, I'm going this thing this weekend. I, I swim for twenty seven miles and then I oh, cycle I up be something like that. this year and then does all this stuff. And Kilimanjaro. Because of the thinness of the air, she nearly got to the top and then just fell asleep. Because that, that's what happens to you. She's furious. She fell asleep. Yeah, because that's what happens is you just suddenly go, oh, I'm so tired. As in wow. died? No, she, she, she did. Uh, <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, briefly. Yeah. Your just sister's gone to sleep, sleep. Robin. Yeah. <laughs> on the farm. Yeah. Hang on, so you, you wouldn't consider yourself one of these extremely people? I really love to do it. I, I, I really like walking and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not... Um, proactive enough to make it happen enough I would like to do set up some sort of comedians triathlon team I'd do that would that would that be good I don't it know might, that might be who good. would be in your dream team triathlon comedians yeah uh, Des Bishop he right. is loves sports doesn't he Oh, yeah, he yeah. loves sports and he'd be good as well because he's got a real kind of uh, sports mentality about it so he would like jimmy us all along he'd he's be like very we've lion-hearted. got to do it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. he's also Something he's a good looking fellow isn't he I don't know just so if he is you, you get into the local papers a lot because that's what oh, that's want, very true. Want, there'd be loads of pictures sure of him the, uh, looking yeah. misty eyed very yeah. true uh, what are we looking for then? Fit comedians? No, we're looking for people who who would really take on the challenge of a triathlon and would really and also because I'm quite rubbish I'd have to be kind of I'd have to sort of feel like I couldn't let them down. I'll tell you who might be good is Mark Thomas, especially if his wife came along because she does amazing swimming. Right. Mark Thomas, yeah. Uh, Craig Campbell. 
Oh yeah, have you seen his shoes? Yeah, I love his shoes. Oh yes, hang on. He's got, he's got those shoes man. that that, uh, that that each toe has a separate um, area for. Oh no, and those those are creepy. Those are incredibly creepy. I like them. I like no, them. disgusting, you know unacceptable. To me, there is nothing better than seeing somebody think, "Oh, you're an athlete," and then going, "What fucking creepy feet?" <laughs> to me, it's it's like it's like a very mildly mythological Greek beast. Uh, it really all is. The it way does down. look like a centaur, human, but, but weird it's, feet. Um, not centaur, but something. It, it, what happens like is griffin. You're f- when he's running, his feet grip. Ah. He was telling me about it. They grip the mountain. It's kind of it's a very natural thing. It takes a while to sort of get back into it, but he sort of would Your be feet just gradually um, devolving. So he's basically turning back into a beast. I think so. A griffin. A griffin. Oh yeah, sorry, a griffin. Claws like a griffin. Yeah. And a big beard, which would be a bit like a griffin. Yeah, which he could use to mask the fact that his face was increasingly looking bird-like. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. That's why he's got a beard. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. The moment they start to metamorphosize, they grow a beard, a beard. to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Gregor Sampson, oh, I'll just have a little goatee. Next day, <laughs> this has gone too far. <laughs> it did go too far, didn't it? Oh, on his back, scrabbling away. Horrible. So Speaking how long which, is it going to take you to go up um, Mount Kenya then? It's we're away for nine days. I'm, I'm I'm really excited about it, but I'm also incredibly apprehensive that I'm not going to... Who are you going up with, then? With a comedian called Eric Lampert, who's a French-English comedian. Oh, he wears a little bit of makeup, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, a wonderful musician who I think is just fantastic, who I would love to recommend to everyone, who's called Brigitte Aphrodite Vutza, uh, who's... Oh, man, she's so great. I saw her in Edinburgh. Bit arrogant, isn't it? No, she's, she's Greek. That's her real name. Ah, a bit arrogant, deal with that. It? Arrogant parents. How dare you? She's what arrogant beautiful. parents. She's amazing. And she sings like people are called Helen. Sure, not, not as attractive as they think they as are. As Helen of Troy, yeah. tell me about it. She's um she's a musician and she's such a fantastic performer. I saw her in Edinburgh with her band and it was just magnetic. I would really urge anyone to go and see her. See, it doesn't sound like the best climbing team. It's a lovely <laughs> Well she does club. dress up a lot, it actually. Sound like that. No, I know. Well a lot of the people who are going apparently are very fashiony. Who so, else have you got? Very uh, fashiony. Yeah. She dresses up. Yeah, so far that does seem to seem that it's Basically, more... I'm going to die yeah. on a mountain. In a tutu <laughs> with a Mohican. That's all I ever wanted. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about before this? You. No, we weren't. We were talking, talking about, about you, Josie. Can Greg I talk about La Bette Humaine? What's that? I'm reading The Beast oh, in Man, new right? Book. It's like my book. No, no, it's like, a, it's like a book club because a few podcasts ago I couldn't get past the first paragraph. I just kept reading it again and again and again. And then uh, another podcast ago I was getting into it. Now, oh, it's rocketing along. Have you read it? What is it? The, the Beast in Man. It's Beast in Man. No, I have not read it. It's good. Oh, that, that furious about it. Yeah, I am was furious. It's about French bloke. I thought it? I'd read all everything. Existential. It's all about, about being sick or something. Yeah. Going to a museum or a library. You wish it was that. It's about men who kill. Have you read it? The way you said that, though, rather than make that sound like Emil Zola, you made that sound like one of those <laughs> Take supermarket magazines. Yeah. Emil it's, Zola, men who kill. It's very. Oh, boy, I can't help but marry them. It's very similar to a Take a Break. Every five minutes, there's another person. Coming out with the woodwork. Well, what's quite good about it is it's one of those ones where you go, oh, I presume this person's the beastly man, beastly, and then right at the end <gasps> of chapter one, it's not it's the other bloke who's beastly. Bloke. Yeah, you yeah. don't know who's got the beast in them. And then later on, somebody you didn't think was beastly, they turn out to be beastly. Shut up. Oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert! But I tell you what, as well, it's very well written. It really is. It's just are you reading it's it? Real page turner. Are you reading it in the original French? No, I wish. The thing is, right, my mum's. She's uh, reading it in a French accent. Does that help? <laughs> right. In my yeah. head, I, he went to the house. Yeah. Uh, my mum. Oh, it was horrible. It was a beast. It was terrible. <laughs> 
my mum speaks fluent French, right? And fluent Spanish, and she talks herself know? Russian. You can't speak French or Spanish, so she might. She's like this. Oh yeah, I'll just speak to you in Spanish, bit Josie. You, know, you haven't learnt Spanish recently, have you, Josie? No, I haven't. <laughs> and when we go to Spain, people avoid her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All people do is shrug and run. <laughs> but that, I just assume she said very standoffish things. Um, but she really thinks that I can and ought to be able to speak French, and I just can't. Such a source of disappointment for her. Is it because she th- sees it as a genetic thing? Yeah, because she Because she, she doesn't realise that you can't, you don't pass on your learning. She thought when you were born, she'd go, oh, well, obviously she'll be able to speak French because I can speak yeah, French. Yeah, like the so worms that go around the maze. To... Did she try yeah. and Teach sort us. of do it? Did she speak in French when it was just you and her when you, before you could talk? Do you know, I don't think she did, actually. Well, that, there's her first mistake. Missed out, yeah. Because she can't expect it to, to get anywhere if she just does it at weekends now. Well, exactly. <laughs> what just frustrate you. That's exactly what it is. She'll be like, is it la or la? And I'll be like, I don't know, I don't know. See, when you're one, you'd have just soaked it up. <laughs> soaked it right out. Never did. Never did. What a waste. Now, why are we talking about the fact your mum's disappointed with you? <laughs> we <laughs> always not? get around to that again in the end, don't Please, we? Please, just love me. It's because we wanted to take a break, wasn't it? We got on to take a break. <laughs> you thought, well, I can't be a, a beastly man, but I can be my mother's disappointment by my lack of linguistic ability. Front you wouldn't cover, even get 50 quid for that. Take a break, yeah. Maybe if she'd attack me with a hammer, but no. I embarrass myself with mispronunciation in Paris. You says wouldn't even idle get 25. Girl. You wouldn't even get 25 for that on the letters page. Really? Mm-hmm. So you still into those magazines? I I'm less than I was. I started reading them when I was at university because everyone around me was so posh and I sort of wanted something that reminded me of home a bit. It was like a kind of Nicorette <laughs> patch of, 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 of your class, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And, um... Uh, Although I'm like a real, I don't know what I am in terms of class, very mis- mishmashed, but um, it sort of reminded me of other things and it was a real antidote to sort of reading very difficult critical theory, that kind of thing. And then it just kind of stuck with me. And then there's been times when, you know, you do loads of travelling and you buy five or six of them and you read them. And I kind of love the human tragedy of it. And that sounds like mean, but I, I find it really intense and real and all this stuff. But I am getting a bit sick of it because... It's the same thing every week, and it's you know it's creepy and titillating and weird. And the recipes are like sweet and sour pork. Open a tin of sweet and sour pork. Sweet and sour pork. They do sweet and sour pork in a tin. Yeah, that's what my really? mum used to cook us. I bought two tins of curry last week. Oh, it nice! Such, it felt like I was really falling on my sword because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't like I needed to have curry that evening. I just saw them and thought, as part of my lifestyle, let's get them. I should have those tins. <laughs> They should be in my cupboard. Let's get that. There we go. That's that sorted, isn't it? Yeah, although I did cook a risotto last night. Oh, nice. What what type? A chicken. Yeah, it was good. Like it was, I can cook risotto. It's one of the things I can do. That's good. Yeah. I think risotto is a dish that men can often master. Is that what it and is? And then after that, anything which has complexity. Uh, oh, stop! What patience. is this sexism? Well, because I'm sick of the fact that there's always male chefs on the telly, isn't it? Women are the people who you know you have the, 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 the people expect them to cook, and then it's all men on the telly, isn't it? Being chefs. Yeah, I have they, felt... Why are they so you know cruel? Uh, because my, my dad... Why are kitchens cruel, do you oh, think? Oh, they're so shouty, aren't they? Yeah. No, but I've kitchens always felt a bit like... Across cruelty, don't they? Men that I've been with have been able to cook and I've felt scared that I can't. So I guess this, there must be some sort of societal pressure that says, women, you must do all the cooking, but you're shit at it. But can I don't you, really feel it that much. I think it's a bit sexist. I think I can. I think I can. I'm all right. But, mm. but if I'm cooking for other people, 
sometimes the pressure feels so great that what I make is bland and I spend the whole time going, this is awful, I'm so sorry. But I think I'm all right. And there are certain things that I adore. And I do cook a lot. Uh, yeah. I think I can probably play the accordion, but I've never really sort of done You've it. You've never given it a go? No. Can you play the keyboard? Probably, yeah. Can you I pull reckon. things in and out? I think I can do all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, this Did has the makings that? of a very disappointing but interesting Valentine's Day restaurant. If every single <laughs> yeah. of you, yeah. you cook something which ultimately yeah. is think bland, I can yeah. you come out and then ruin it even more <laughs> yeah. by playing the accordion very yeah. badly. Yeah, oh, I, um, It's not a bad idea. Uh, but the thing with cooking, what, what I've realised is, because I sort of, uh, about two and a half years no about three years ago sort of set up my first flat that was like a proper home you know and then practicing cooking there it doesn't take long for you to really get in your stride and get better and how adventurous were you would you try and sort of master a dish i made and then move proper on? curries there's a book that mm. called uh i think it's called like 100 curries of india or something it's by this woman and it looks really like it's just going to be some lame budget book about and it tells you how to start making curries and how to make a really good uh, catch-all base where you just kind of melt the onions for ages and then put in different spices at different times and temperatures and stuff. Did you buy like a carousel of Indian spices? Well, I, I, co I collected them all, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah got that's them all, what I got need. all the spices and that. Listen to me, well, that's what you need. I need a carousel, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any of the sort of basic stuff. But that's stuff. how to be, like, how to improve your cooking is to have your own, like... There's assumptions in cookbooks where they say... You'll have this. A nice, easy thing you can do if you've got if any leftovers. Just get yeah, cumin, all that. Get your dill and let's get weaving. And then you think, well, I don't. All I've got is shreddies. <laughs> basically, got shreddies and then got other than that is milk. plates and things like that. I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's, yeah, the. Uh, Bet Robin can cook. I think cooking no, is about practice and do, about. I can do things patience. like risottos and, and, and omelette, right? But. I was the worst because uh, my wife comes from an Italian background, so she knows that you can cook things minimally. That actually three ingredients makes a delicious meal. But I was a very traditional student cook, so she would come round to my enormous shared house in Hearn Hill with, I think, about 12 other people in, in there. And I would think, oh, well, what I need is probably pasta, uh, plum tomatoes, uh, sweet corn, uh, yogurt, uh, cream and paprika. That'll make something delicious. Mm. And Paprika's then for nice. some reason that didn't end the relationship. <laughs> um, despite the fact that, but I think that that's the the strange that's thing. That's it. I think that's right. I think that once you're once you're absolutely ideal at cooking, then you realise you don't have to sort of show off at all. Like the Italians, they mainly if they have a pizza, they have a margarita, don't they? Yeah. Whereas if I have a pizza, I'm it's really tall. Uh, yeah, I put everything I can on it. <laughs> yeah. I think percentage-wise, that it's it's uh, the number of pineapple-based uh, pizzas is much higher in the United Kingdom than it is in Italy. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Oh, and sprout-based. Um, the uh, oh god, we've nearly run out of time already. It's ridiculous. No, so you're all no, right, we're fine. What time have you got to get your plane? No, I have to leave at twelve thirty on the dot. Yeah, no. What time are you get your plane? No, not till this evening. But I have to leave at twelve thirty. Yeah, you've got to get to get all your stuff together, haven't you? Yes. Because you always take tinned meats when you go abroad. Because you don't like you don't like spicy food. I don't like any of the foreign mark. One of my relatives used to do that whenever they went abroad. They liked travelling, but they would take tins of processed cheese. Suppose you used to be able to get things that. Could you buy a tin of processed cheese? Supposedly, you used to be able to get t tin of meat and a kind of solid tinned cheese. Oh, do you know? And they would go through that like. Do you know what's sad? Go, what's in your bag? I go, oh my. Do you know what's sad? I think I'd probably really like a tin of processed cheese. I think, though, it's like many things. Whenever I go to America, or not so much now because we've become more American here, but when I first would go there, 
like I would go one of my first things would go, I must find the nearest supermarket to see all these luridly coloured things and to go spray cheese such as this is not available in the United Kingdom yeah. and even though it's disgusting the mere act of, of consuming a Twinkie or spraying cheese directly on the tongue and thinking I'm like Tom Hanks in Big yeah. then the, 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 the level of enjoyment just in the action takes over from the fact that ultimately you're placing something disgusting inside you yeah, yeah I agree I had a tin of chicken in my first week at university, I, my first shop, I saw this tin of chicken, and it was with the tins of tuna and stuff like that. I thought I didn't know you could do that. Well, actually, like, a whole chicken kind of in a thing. Tin. Well, like it was a tin of like processed chicken, yeah, and I, I kind of thought, those. that's brilliant. Why? Why did no one tell me about that? Like, it was, I kind of felt I'm independent now. I I can I don't need to buy tins of tuna because I prefer chicken to tuna, and I've been having tin tuna. I get a tin of chicken, and I took that home and ate it, and it wasn't as good as the tuna. To be fair to it, what was it? Was it was more like was it? cat. It was like a tin of cat food, really. It was like, you know, it was like a cylinder of chicken. But you do think, <laughs> like, who did? It had eat been that? processed rather a lot, I think. Was it the case that in the seven? Like, I don't want to sound really naive or anything, but was there a contingent of the population that would definitely eat tin chicken? All the time. Well, I think you've got to remember that for so, a long time, there were things like refrigeration, even, you know, that, that people had spent a long time, once tins existed, that was something that you, was, you would have eaten out of. Because you can keep, Yeah, no, you I still eat out of a tin, of course I don't. No, what I mean is that, but things that now you would not think of in, in a oh, tin. Oh, I suppose things have know. changed. God, I sounded really like, the people who ate chicken, I didn't mean it like that, I just meant like, See, I think God, I'm so glad that standards of living have risen. It's not fair that people... take a break to you oh, know, like keep yourself, you know, t- t- grounded. In the end, you ultimately have someone going, I saw the other day someone eating something directly from a tin of a spoon. Well, and also, and what's silly is, when I was a kid, my mum used to feed us tinned hamburgers, tinned mints. After my parents split up, my mum took us to and she took us to the, the. I really remember it really vividly. She took us to the meat aisle. She got a tin of twenty-five p mints, and she was like, "This is all we can eat from now on because this is all we could ever afford." And I was like, "Okay." Tinned mints. Yeah, I remember that quite clearly. So I don't know why I'm like. Well, they, I think I just meant like. I think the weird. Oh, it's harsh. That I think the weird thing is that it was chicken because like, tinned mints doesn't sound so bad, and tinned. Like Mint corned beef and be, spam that, that, and luncheon meat, all that stuff is kind of. It's more accepted it's for a tin. But the chicken thing, you, the you chicken do is think just like, like under what circumstances were people going? Yeah. yeah, that's the thing we have. I guess that's what I meant. Like, would people have like gone? Oh, we'll get the chicken out of the tin and we'll cut it and we'll put it in a stew. Yeah. Can we cut with this? I've, I've no, no, no. I think this is historically quite interesting. See how much we've advanced. Well, how luck? Oh, I don't know. See, something that never caught on was pot mash, though. Was what? Oh, pot mash like a pot noodle. Yeah. Uh, tell you what, I why well, didn't it? That was big. because ultimately you've now just got a plastic container filled with vaguely flavoured mash. Oh, so you become sad. Yeah. So it's I, heavy. So it's I, I too heavy. When, yeah. When you used to do student gigs like years ago, quite often they go, "It's freshest week. You can have one of the freshest bags," and they give you the freshest bag with a token for marmite and and pot mash. This was yeah, pot mash. They've gone right. This can be huge. Pot rice, pot noodle, pot mash. We've done all the rice noodle mash. All of them done. Mm. Um, I do remember that awful moment of you know sleeping on someone's uh, you know floor, someone's dog bed or whatever in Coventry. Thinking, oh, at least I've got that curry flavoured pot mash. Oh, oh god! But you know that was the thing when I got to uni with pot noodles. I really was like, this is so cool. I'm an adult now. I can eat just a pot noodle. Why? Why don't people do this? It's so convenient. It's brilliant. Just have the pot noodle. That's all you're eating sorted. And, and I used weird, to have Red Bull for breakfast. People sometimes wonder why irritable bowel syndromes on the rise. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Awful. I used to have a lot of Diet Coke. That's my main thing. I, I used to get the Safeway value version, which was like 7p for two litres or something wow. like that. 
and uh, I would just I would literally drink two liters a day. Wow! So my teeth just went. My teeth are just so awful from just getting really carried away in my first year of university and just it's living like an absolute thing, idiot. You I just wasn't ready. ready. You I was just only, don't know. I was only 20. I just suddenly <laughs> was having all this stuff. You're able to just go to an aisle with a certain amount of money and just sweep stuff into your basket and there's no one to tell you not to do it. Yeah. And you think, well, I could just have a big block of chocolate. Yes. Yeah. It wouldn't be in the supermarket if it wasn't supposed to be. Exactly. You're just yeah, at home. Well, that's with... what supermarkets are known for. Good for you foods. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they do. There is something that, that I was thinking about that recently. We're going, the, the annoying thing is you only really confront your mortality after you fucked your internal organs that's through completely poor right. living and you're like, you know, we think, oh, well, I'll, I'll live forever, even though all the evidence in every cemetery around you suggests that this is a highly unlikely. And then you suddenly go, oh, why did I do Like smoking, when I used to smoke, I think, why did I smoke? It didn't even suit it. It's a bit like when, when I had to wear glasses and everyone went, oh, yeah, your face <laughs> there you was are. made to wear glasses. You know, <laughs> those, those are not eyes that are, you know, are meant to just be straight there, naked eyes. They're meant to be covered in some kind of, you know, lens. And in the same way, when I stopped, because everyone used to go, I wouldn't have thought you as a smoker. And then when I stopped, so I think, yeah, what was I doing? Mm. Fucking I've... Freudian oral fixation. So yeah, Freud hadn't opened his big mouth, that oral fixation. I never started, I knew I should have been a Jungian. <laughs> what do Jungians Freud? go for? Did I, isn't it the Lacan? Of the Jungian. Is Lacan the ideas web? Oh, maybe. You know the one who, I don't know somebody that said that, like... You, you'll have to ask Slavoj Žižek. Oh, I'd love that. Oh, Jesus. Isn't it all about... Um... Do you know Everyone's dreaming the I same thing. I don't know things. anything that's happened in the last sort of, 30 seconds that's gone a bit away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't you, what was your comfort zone? Where would you like to start? Um, I was happy when we were talking. I quite liked facing your mortality after everything's all gone to pot. Oh, well, let's go back there Can and I then we'll have... You, know, you have your Lacanian ideas, Web, and then we'll get back to mortality. Because I ruined my body by the time I was about, like, 11, really, due to bad eating and being a ferocious chubber. Just, like, eating... I ruined mine between uh, 17 and 21. Mm. Yeah, I Alicia, would say 17, Alicia had a good run 17 and 25 probably was... Uh, there was no coming back from that. Yeah, so I look now and think, well, I'm kind of... I kind of run and stuff like that, so why, why, isn't, why, isn't, why aren't things a little better? And I then think. I kind of think it's probably because in November when I was 19, I was just eating a whole Christmas selection pack with some lager. Yeah, that's yeah. what, yeah, I did that as well when I was 21, <laughs> yep, yep. Putting your hand into a big thing of golden nuggets. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> golden nuggets. I texted my friend because it was his birthday and said, did you have a nice birthday? And uh, he's my age. And he said, yep, pretty good. Had a couple of lagers and three magnums. Oh, God. That's decadence. I can't even eat a whole magnum these days. I tried to have one in Edinburgh. I got you about wanna, halfway through and I was like, oh, please. You want to speak to Bones? Three magnums. Three different kinds. Once your magnums are greater than the I need to phone him of, about that. You should, because you wouldn't have one normal. Quite weird. Yeah, magnums should be less than pints. Yeah, I think that's... To be fair, I think magnums should be less than the amount of arms you have. Oh. <laughs> you couldn't... How could you have two... Even the mini magnums that's really unfair. I'm just thinking of the drummer of Def Leppard and that bloke... No magnums for him. ...127 hours. It's the Tim Key rules. Yeah. Really? <laughs> what, I, what about a fab? You had a fab. It's quite a specific... Tim Key's never written about the fab. You have as many fabs as you want, mate. fab, yeah. I don't have any philosophy on the fab. Oh, we said you're not allowed to have uh, a funny face yeah. uh, if you've got astigmatism. That's one of Tim Key's rules. Oh. He says if your eyes are slightly differently shaped, you're not allowed a uh, funny face or funny feet. Oh, very unfunny feet. I've forgotten about them. I, I don't really... I think I don't like junk food in the way I used to, which is probably for the best. <laughs> I kind of... Yeah, I think I'm the same. Do you ever... Because this is... I sort of think that you reach your limits with things... 
and then that's you done for your life. Mm. And I didn't fully appreciate that. And I had this long-standing theory about the song Dancing Queen by ABBA, which is that, like, I've heard it enough times now and I never, ever, ever want to hear it again. I would have thought, yeah, something like I Will Survive, there will be a point where suddenly... Uh, a group of recently divorced women go, oh, not a fucking gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would uh, yeah. just, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I've had, yeah. I have had enough Gloria Gaynor. Yeah. Let's move on to Cemetery Gates by the Smiths. Oh. Dreaded, dreaded, dreaded sunny, sunny day. day. So I'm eating Cemetery Gates. Keats and the Eights. So, yeah, so you reckon there's certain things. So, you've had your fill of what what, what were your, uh, like, kind of the, the things that really dragged you down? What were your lead weight of bad habits? Well, I think I've had my fill of, like, take a break and that's life and that kind of thing, which is sad to say because what am I going to have instead? And I still well, want to use them to cut out the pictures. Zola novels to read, some of them are longer. Mm. That's true, so, yeah, but that, you that can't make a collage out of an Emil Zola no- novel in the same way as you can out of someone in Take a Break who's going, like, Oh, and you can cut the face out and make him say offensive things and stuff. That's yeah, I, I, I agree. There are things that I would because, like, sometimes I'd flick through like you know celebrity magazines, and then it's just point going, no, I really am getting that. There's nothing. There's no vicarious thrill. There's nothing. No interest. Mm. Maybe because I'm 42 and I don't. I genuinely now don't know who most of these people are. And I, Abby Clancy. So my, my wife had a magazine on the sofa. And Abby Clancy has managed to get back to her ideal shape very soon after having a child. Who's Abby Clancy? Going, Who's Abby Clancy? I think I've got it. Go okay. on. Uh, I think, is she, a, is she married to a footballer? That's oh, it, she's yeah. married to Peter Crouch, yeah. is it? That seems to be the default answer. Now, mm. if it was Clancy Brown, the very tall actor, I think it's Clancy Brown, isn't it? The very tall actor who's in uh, um, Shawshank Redemption. I would like more things about, you know, go, oh, have you seen the new copy of uh, Take a Break? They've got an amazing Ron Perlman interview. <laughs> things like that. You know, Ron Perlman talking yeah. about his work in Blade 2 and, uh, you know, what it's like sometimes having to, to play vampiric characters and sometimes playing Hellboy. Mm. I'd like that. I'd like to see more. There's not enough news about Lance Henriksen and Ron Perlman. I've often said that. Yeah, Lance Henriksen in particular. Be, Lance oh. Henriksen does art. He does. He, he's an artist, and his main art, though, is, is doing paintings of aliens. Ah, good marketing That technique. would be a really great, just one-off glossy magazine edition along the lines of now, just to have people who pay minor parts pub me. Well, Ron Perlman's not a minor part. No, no, I know that. No, I know that. Lance Henriksen is quite central. You're not going to get a Perlman on every page, is what I'm saying. Okay, what you're saying is Perlman is the humdinger. He's the one, he's the honey He's the cover, sure, sure. But once you get into it... Who have you got in there? Who have we got in there? Um, Oh, okay, well, see, mine are all too famous. I'd have Toby Jones in there. Right, Big feature on Toby Jones, lots of glossy pictures. I'd like to see a big feature about Rick Moranis. Where is he now, that kind of thing? I really enjoy Rick Moranis. Yeah. He's the best thing in space. But what's he been up to since? I actually know because he, we, he came up recently and uh, we Wikipedia him. But he just retired. Did he? He just didn't want to do it anymore. He retired to to be um, to focus on being a, a dad. Oh, what a cool guy! Yeah, but I tell you what, he's a terrible dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the other day running through yeah. some grass that's why he retired scared of an yeah, ant so he made an absolute mess of it so he to retire just I just want to have more time with my kids and my inventions <laughs> yeah. sorry what did you just say and my inventions <laughs> yeah. you're just playing a character you know, I've still got to invent a little bit though you can't just go up and invent <laughs> immediately maybe that film scarred him so much the whole shrinking the kids made the baby big well, it's like Kevin Eldon was saying that because he was in Dead Set, and uh, oh, I really which loved was that. Brilliant, 
Did you see Dead Set? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. And I was talking, a ridiculous thing. I I don't know if we've talked about this before, the fact that um, I still have these moments where I'm walking down the street sometimes and I go, right, if there was a zombie attack now, what kind of car would be the best one to get? Even though I know, right, you know, as an atheist, also take it as read that I don't, I think zombies are, you know, pretty unlikely as well. Oh, can I just Um, say? (laughs) But Kevin said he used to have that I've never thought of that, though. How stupid is that? I don't believe in the afterlife. I don't believe in anything like that. But I've still kind of thought, well, there's a way zombies could happen because I've not seen it in a metaphysical sense. I've just thought, well, in a purely like electrical sense, yeah, people could come back to life if they were some in, sort in, of freak. In, in the Latter Day Church of Romero, yeah, there is a, th- those things. Are... I still see zombies in a godless universe. Well, well Kevin Eldon thought anyway, he used to have these little paranoias as well, yeah. and he imagined that uh, you know making a zombie thing well it'll go away. It'd just be ridiculous. It's got worse. Wow. Really? Yeah. I suppose because you can get, you can have more specific flashbacks after that. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so yeah, and a... your body goes. Well, I definitely do ha- do have a memory of being in a room with loads of zombies. I can't remember the exact details, but I have a real memory. Of <gasps> I that. There's sorry, something very um... potent about films. There's a friend of mine who's an atheist, but would not let me say Candyman five times into a mirror. <laughs> Exactly, that's <laughs> the potency of Clive Barker when turned into cinema. What were you going to say, Tim? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say that. Um, I had it sort of links in a bit with the kind of flashbacks based on real things thing, where I I saw a uh, a girl at a um, at a party, like it was a Radio Four one of, you know the Radio Four oh, parties yeah. they have at Christmas, and then you go to the pub afterwards, and I saw this this girl and my heart missed a beat, and uh, I kind of I think I kind of caught her eye, and I thought oh. And that, and but I couldn't. Oh, for God's sake! It's on silent, guys. Oh, demonstrably, it's, it's on silent. <laughs> this, is the, this is the second time this happened. No, no I, look, it is right, on we don't silent. Have the money for the rights to that ringtone yet again. So it is on silent. Well, that's s- how arrogant. That's no, it's Tim, so not that's arrogant. Story, I yeah. drop my phone so, every five minutes. Guys, I drop my phone all the time, and I'm very interested in Tim's story. Right, Tim, stop start, sorry, so you're at a party. It's a radio four party. It's, it's you, okay, you see a girl. No, really no, 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 no. It is not okay. Yeah. Tim, so it is not okay, Tim. Okay, so I see this girl, and I kind of have my heart misses a beat, and I think, why is that? Because I, I think I've, I know her, and then I kind of think. I don't know where I know her from, but I, I think maybe like we had a, a thing or like we something happened between us or something. I have this memory of and then I'm trying to think what it is and then I think I'm, maybe it's at university that I'd that I'd met her. And but I it, it was quite a it was quite intangible, but I thought there was something there. And anyway, I I kind of saw her again a little later. I'm sort of scrutinizing her from afar, I think, why do I know you? And then uh, I worked it out that she was um the girl from Peep Show, who David Mitchell goes to see at university, who is sitting on her bed, and uh, he ultimately doesn't pull, unfortunately, but he really fancies her. And I think I just had a, a memory which was not my memory. It was, it was they, her memory. because of the way that Peep Show is shot. <laughs> I think I literally had this. Uh, you just took that on. I, I took it on. I thought, fine, I'll have that as a memory. <laughs> I honestly have sort of had this really vivid memory of. Sitting on a bed with. <laughs> Do you have any memories of eating a dog? 
No, I don't. Okay, I think that, that, that might be my only Peep Show memory. <laughs> I, I used to um, live with my dad, and uh, when when I was a rag and bone man, and <laughs> and that now, and yeah. little, that's a wonderful thing, though. I mean, you know, for anyone who can't be bothered to form memories by actually their own events in life, yeah. what a lovely idea. Just you know, watch, watch, watch loads of Peep Show, show and but they'll all be horrible memories. I had that point of view perspective. Yeah, with Logan's Run, and I got teased about it for years. I think might have even said it on an earlier podcast, which was I went into school one day and I went, guys, can you help me? Either this is a dream, or it's a memory, or it was in a film. But there's like, (laughs) I keep thinking about this old man and there's loads of cats and he lives in like an old library. And I got teased so much for that. Like, people just would not let it go. Oh, Josie, the one who thinks she knows Peter Euston. (laughs) Anyone who used to pretend they knew Yeah, you really thought you were too good for yourself. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Josie. You've got to go and climb the mountain. I do. He has to go as well. He's got his own life to lead. I do. You've got to go and eat some meatballs, haven't you? Oh, meat cylinders. Meat cylinders. <laughs> You've been listening to Josie Long's Utter Shambles uh, with guest appearance by Robin Ince and Tim Key. This podcast was produced by Adrian McKinder and edited by Mike Pell. For more podcasts, go to comedycentral.co.uk slash podcasts. I hope it's not the last time we see you, Josie. Oh, You'll be good at climbing.